0: The Start On
1: Demand. On demand. Mackling and Kennedy today. KK and Mac for this Friday. Brett McGarry and Loren McNabb are off today. So we've been reunited. We've we've done this time slot uh, many a time together. But it's been, it's been too long, dear sir. I would agree with you on that. And it's the very first time we've ever done this without being under the same roof. So yeah. I apologize in advance if we have any challenges on that front. Uh, we're We're doing all we can to make sure that we make it as clean and simple as possible and that we can still uh, do what we like to do.
0: Indeed. And we have got a great show lined up this morning. A lot of different topics that we're going to be covering from what's going on with those homeless camps to, uh, Hey, I love this story, celebrating great art in Winnipeg and not just, you know, art at the art gallery, but mural art. We're going to tell you about that a little bit later this morning.
1: Well, I love it because it celebrates Winnipeg. It's not just celebrating art. These murals that are all over the place do such an incredible job of capturing our history and educating us about who we are and where we've come from. And that's what I love about them. And,
0: and one of my favorites, uh, without a doubt, do you remember, Greg, on uh, the, the corner of Portage and St. James, there was that hydro mural uh, with the baby? Yes, of course. The big, ba- like yes. three-story
1: high baby face. <laughs> <laughs> that was an incredible mural. It was an incredible year, mural, and I think it's been replaced once or twice uh, over the decades. But uh, there are uh, some fast, fast, fantastic is the word I'm trying to spit out right now. <laughs> works of art all over the city. So two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Please let us know uh, which is your favorite. And uh, some of you may be waking up without power this morning. I did. I had to get ready in the dark. And the first, see, thing- I thought. I thought you were joking when you said that. <laughs> no, I wasn't. And I woke <laughs> up and uh, and the fan wasn't going. That was my first clue. Uh, usually have a fan going in my room. Was not going. I thought, okay, well, maybe Jackie just turned it off. It was a little cooler last night. Then I got up and uh, turned on the switch in the bathroom. Nothing. Tried the fan. Nothing. Oh, we have no power. So then immediately I was concerned that I wouldn't have any hot water, but I had enough hot water to have a shower and to get ready. But, uh, It's a challenge to get ready in the dark, even darker than usual, because I try not to turn on too many lights as I get ready, but that wasn't an option to turn on any of them today.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, listen, some of us appreciate getting ready in the dark these
1: days. (laughs) No question about it. And as I say, I go through most of my life uh, in the dark as it is. So uh, there's still a little bit of a power outage uh, out in the North Kildonan area, just a a smaller area uh, north of Ross. Smear, uh Country Club and we also have a report of the traffic signals at Lashemodier and 59 uh, being mm-hmm. out. So treat those as a four-way stop. I-, I know it sounds ridiculous to remind people of one of the basic rules of driving, but I experienced it on Chief Peg trail and gateway this morning. Gentlemen uh, in front of me just flew right through that intersection without any care in the oh. world, assuming that there was nobody coming uh, north or southbound on gateway. And when I I approached that intersection, there was somebody actually coming at the very same time from Southbound Gateway. So had uh, both of us decided to just plow through that intersection, I probably wouldn't be here this morning, KK.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, I'm glad you are here, sir. And it it goes back to another saying, you know, in the wintertime when it's bitterly cold and we talk about watching for exhaust fog. Hey, same same scenario. You know, sometimes you forget Mm -hmm. the, the rules of the road.
1: Yeah, there's no question about it. And, and we always comment that that people forget how to drive in the snow. <laughs> uh, Doesn't matter how many first snowfalls of the year we exactly get. that right? Right? <laughs> hey, isn't this our sixth first snowfall? Why do people <laughs> forget how this goes? Anyway, you and I can derail any sort of conversation, any Indeed, sort of can. interaction and take it meandering down different uh, ways.
2: Toilet paper became bathroom tissue. Sneakers became running shoes. False teeth became dental appliances. Medicine became medication. Information became directory assistance. The dump became the landfill. Car crashes became automobile accidents. Partly cloudy became partly sunny. Motels became motor lodges. House trailers became mobile homes. Used cars became previously owned transportation. (laughs) Room service became guest room dining. And constipation became occasional irregularity.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The late, great George Carlin. Could anybody put everyday issues into clearer context than he... I suspect not. You hear (laughs) Kelly Moore chuckling. Tristan Field-Jones was laughing his backside off for about an hour as he compiled that clip. (laughs) Kathy Kennedy's here for vacationing Brett McGarry and Loren McNabsey, filling uh, four shoes, two pairs of shoes, uh, KK. And, of course, Jeff Forche is here. Now, this is all uh, predicated is the word. On my way in this morning, I was listening to American Radio, and I heard this story about Atlanta police officers calling... Out sick, and yeah. I've heard this for the last week uh, in different communities about police calling out sick. Am I the only one that says calling in sick? Don't we say calling no. in sick in Canada? Well,
3: you know what's interesting yes. about you know what's interesting about that, Greg, is that in one of the stories that I ran uh, from we get national audio from the Associated Press uh, down south, one of the stories in there had written a bunch, uh, several Atlanta police officers called out sick. So that was written in the Associated Press.
1: So that is I guess what they say in the yeah. states and they also say say at the grocery store they're not waiting in line, they're waiting online, either at the movie theater online at the amusement park. So there's a little but bit of a they're, difference. They're, there. they're talking
3: about like actually being physically there not online. Correct,
1: like it has nothing to do with the that internet. That confuses me. Yeah. Yeah, well, that they use that terminology first. So, we're talking about the sayings which sometimes don't make sense or baffle you. And the one for me KK is I could care less. I think I'm pretty because sure, so? I'm pretty sure you couldn't care less about <laughs> the situation. <laughs> yeah. I'm stepping out now. Uh KK drive it.
0: Well, uh, the one, because you know what, I had this uh, said to me, you know, several times actually in the last few days, and it's darkest just before dawn. Well, no, actually, it's not. (laughs) It's darkest at midnight, okay? Just before dawn, it starts to lighten up. That one ticks me off.
4: (laughs) Oh. Yeah, no. I guess some you, Cal?
1: I guess some of them you can't take too literally, I suppose. Well, I
4: know. But... <laughs> yeah, let's let's just go back to listening to George, for goodness sakes. That was a lot of fun. I, I don't know that it's a uh, 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 misconstrued saying or not, but it, it's some of the different terminology. Like the one that always, uh, it, it, I wouldn't say it bothers me, but I, I I just wonder where it came from. Like in Canada, we barbecue. In the United States, they grill. Like, uh-huh. I, you know, I, you you see that all the time. Yeah, yeah. No, we're gonna go. You know, it's grilling season. No, no, it's barbecue season. All
1: right. That's I, a, I didn't. I didn't know. One.
3: I didn't know that was a Canadian U.S. thing.
1: Yeah, I think oh. I think it is too. It's like um, Ontario versus Manitoba. A lot of times, the cottages,
4: cottages. Yeah, yeah.
1: Cabins, cottages, but also uh, camp. Like uh, in uh, Kenora, I spent a lot of time in Kenora in my uh, late teens, early 20s. And and for people that live in Kenora that have a cottage, they're going to camp.
4: Hmm. Yeah, So that's well, a little bit of a different one Maybe they're calling out sick in Ontario too <laughs> They yeah. might
1: be calling out sick Doesn't... What about you TFJ, you're a stickler for a lot of things
3: Yeah, for a couple of things um, You know, Kelly wanted to listen to a little more George Carlin And I hate to say, but I had to grab another clip of his Because this right here is one of my biggest pet peeves in the English language
2: Here's one they just made up Near miss When two planes almost collide, they call it a near miss. It's a near hit! (laughs) A collision is a near miss! (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: They nearly (laughs) missed. So that that right there you know, oh look they nearly missed. Yes, that's a collision all right so that's mine right there
1: Well the Very one thi- good. <laughs> the one thing KK and Jeff Forche that we hate all of us hate is when our alarm goes off at uh, 245 in the morning but my uh, sister-in-law from Italy insists that your alarm is off almost all the time. It's when it turns it, on it goes on uh, at 245 yes. to wake you up yeah and I Very think she's true. right.
0: Yeah. absolutely very true and and here's another one that that uh, grinds my gears uh when someone you know you're having the conversation and they say well with all due respect well what that really means is hang on i'm just about to
4: disrespect you yeah. right yes yes, yes. yeah, yeah. 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 No. and then there's the one that kind of grinds everybody's gears i think irregardless
1: oh yes oh. not a word
4: yeah, no but again, words. that's not an American-Canadian thing. That's just uh
1: Yeah, that's a misunderstanding Not thing. informed it, thing. Yeah.
4: About, I'm not a racist, like, it, but
1: no, I want to a, say something very yeah, yeah, racist. Yeah. My, yeah. my
3: best friend is, insert race here, and then goes on to be... Yes. Yeah. Yes. What yep. about Saskatchewan? We, like We call these hoodies, when I'm wearing a hoodie. Yes. What does Saskatchewan call them? Do they call them bunny hugs or something bunny like that? Bunny hug. The heck is that?
4: <laughs> it's a hoodie <laughs> and, and somebody yeah, should you tell know, them that but again you know moving from bc to manitoba the first time around back in the mid 90s i had no idea what a social was yeah so you know uh, I yeah think that's me, a
3: Manitoba we, thing for sure yeah
4: we all have our little idiosyncrasies and uh uh you know I, I i and and i think those are precious in in my opinion i think uh you know the things that we say and do that no one else does i think those are things that we can hang our hat on or our buddy hugs on
1: summer begins tomorrow. Our summer vacation schedule is in full effect here at CJOB and the musical chairs continue. KK, thanks for uh, being with us this morning. Uh, this this is this It's great to do this again. I, I, I it always is. miss you, and uh, working on air with you is uh, one of the true joys in this business. Hey, uh, thank you to everyone. Holy smokes. From 6 till 7, we get inundated with text messages, and today is no exception. In fact, um, it's been absolutely phenomenal to hear from you on two things. Your favorite murals around the city of Winnipeg, because Kathy, what are we doing after 9 o'clock?
0: We are going to uh, talk to one of the people responsible for choosing a winning mural
1: in Winnipeg each and every year. And uh, we've also been asking you the question, what terminology baffles you, (laughs) bothers you, perplexes you? And we've had a couple of here. Actually, we've had dozens, but I just uh, grabbed the the top four here in terms of the inbox. Uh, One of our listeners saying, bare naked. They both mean the same thing. I said, yeah, you you can only be so naked, I suppose. (laughs) And then one of our listeners (laughs) says that we're guilty of this on CJOB of saying instead of Failing to provide the necessities of life. This listener says that they hear the necessaries of life. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so I
0: don't remember ever hearing that, but
1: we'll have to put our radar on for this one. Uh, we were talking about bunny hugs. Jeff Forche asked uh, Saskatchewan, <laughs> they call hoodies uh, bunny hugs, right? It's just, it's it's weird. It is weird. But you <laughs> know why, what? Why bunny hug? I don't know why. Why a sweater with a hood? <laughs> yeah shortened a hoodie right but one of our listeners reminded me that when i was a kid that was in fact called what was it called kk um another k word do you ever remember your parents calling it Ah. wait a kangaroo. Oh, a kangaroo. A kangaroo because of the pouch on the front.
0: Well, and I thought you were going to say a K-way. Remember the K-ways? They had the pouch on the front, Um, literally.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, we're really going down a dark hole here. And then one last one, because this is what truly defines a Manitoban. If you want to find a Manitoban in other parts of Canada, go to a donut shop and order a Jam Buster. And if they look at you funny, they don't know... They don't, they don't know really what they're talking about. First and foremost, they don't know the right terminology uh, because they'll insist it's a jelly filled donut, but a Manitoba knows it's a jam buster. Indeed. Indeed, we start this hour uh, earlier this week, we had a discussion about what comes first, more buses to help people get back to work as we reopen the economy or more people riding and waiting for those buses, which are operating currently on a modified Saturday schedule. It's the whole question about if we build it, will they come?
0: Or, Greg, what comes first, as in the chicken or the egg? Now, when it comes to helping the portion of our population experiencing homelessness, there is a question which has been asked and answered all over the world. What comes first? Housing? or Treatments for Mental Health Issues and Addiction. Dr. Gino DeStazio is Director of the Institute of Urban Studies and Vice President of Research and Innovation from the University of Winnipeg. He is joining us this morning, uh, on a day off, no less. So thank you, Gino, for taking the time.
5: No problem. Good morning.
0: So here's the, the first question. Why are we still asking the question about how to help our homeless population?
5: That's a tough one. You know, in Canada, we've seen very little change in the total number of people homeless across this country, which continues to sit at around 35,000 Canadians without shelter. We know that we have the right tools and supports out there. Sometimes it's it's about a disconnect between what is it that is needed to move people from a state of homelessness into stable, long-term housing. And I think that sometimes is the key Getting people into housing can be uh, easy, but it's maintaining that housing that becomes the real difficult part.
1: So, Gino, last Friday the the city dis- dismantled two sprawling uh, homeless camps, uh, where, places where homeless individuals were living. Now, from the outside, they're unsightly and dangerous. They have apparently been rebuilt at a different location, uh, not too far from the Disraeli Freeway. Why does a camp like that become the best option, at least in the minds of, of people who decide to, to reside there?
5: You know, that's, a, that's an interesting question. And what we're seeing across North America, not just Winnipeg, but over the last probably 15, maybe even 20 years, we've gone from a state where camps like this were so far off the radar to now, I would think that we're probably approaching an estimate of, of 500 across North America. So something is occurring within our populations that are experiencing homelessness. Is it a mismatch between the availability of shelters? Is it about affordable housing? Is it about an increase in mental health and addiction? And it's probably a combination of those. So in Winnipeg, we've now seen the increased visibility. You know, A few years back, we had the, uh, the smaller encampment that was quite visible near the legislature. But now we've seen a proliferation on a scale that we have not seen before. And it can be kind of terrifying in a way to say that why is a city like Winnipeg or Vancouver or Toronto seeing such a significant number of people living in a very informal encampment that can be quite dangerous in some ways?
0: Well, and, and I'm glad you brought up Vancouver because it was just two days ago when police dismantled uh, a camp there. And the same thing happened as here in Winnipeg where they and set up new shop.
5: Yes, and that's the challenge, right? We, we really need to try to find the alternatives to informal living. And again, it's not necessarily just about choice and, and respecting lifestyle. A lot of it has to come down to safety. And you remember uh, uh, recently where we had the fire under the Osborne Bridge, how quick mm-hmm. and how intense that fire was. And again, I remind people that, you know, 100 years ago when cities first enacted building codes and occupancy standards, part of, part of it was for the fact that cities were burning when we didn't have any rules and regulations. And now it's real important that we at least take that lens to this If we're going to have these kinds of encampments, how can we ensure some level of minimal safety against fire, against disease, against all kinds of things that occur when we have uh, informal living standards that uh, can be quite, uh, quite challenging, really?
1: Gino, uh, we could speak with you all morning on this topic. You've got some tremendous insight. We'll have to do this again. We'll talk more about the at-home soi project and research that you did. Housing First initiatives uh, are something that I think we know about, but we're reluctant to implement on a broad scale. Uh, next time we speak, we'll, we'll ask you that question. Why are, are we reluctant to do that? Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Greg Macklin, Kathy Kennedy with you on the start. McGarry and McNabb on holidays today and it's not been a holiday. Far from it, KK, for so many Manitobans, not only wishing they could see their loved ones that live in personal care homes, but I can't imagine what it's like for those inside those personal care homes, either dealing with dementia or other health issues and just wanting some comfort, a hug to hold a hand of someone that they love and they just can't do it right now.
0: Yeah. And and you know what? It's understandable why those rules have been so darn strict. Uh, given what has transpired in North America, but in particular in Ontario and Quebec, where cases of COVID-19 in nursing homes skyrocketed and continue to skyrocket. But we want to uh, talk to uh, Jan Legueros this morning and talk about what's transpiring in this province regarding long-term care. The visiting rules have changed, Greg, slightly. So how has that been going Let's uh, welcome Jan this morning. Hi, Jan.
6: Hi, good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Greg.
0: So good to talk to you. So we have loosened restrictions to a certain degree when it comes to visiting our loved ones in nursing homes. Where are we at exactly with that?
6: Well, we've um, established outdoor visits, as you know, Uh, But it's just not the same, is it? As you were just saying a minute ago, you know, there are time restrictions due to the size of the outdoor space, the disinfection Mm -hmm. that needs to happen in between the staff resources to assist and guide the visitors, There's also limits on the number of visitors, so only one is allowed at the current time. And I think there's some confusion now, too, because hospitals have established indoor visits. So that's kind of added to everyone's frustration. Um, You know, Manitoba, uh, we are very lucky we have very low cases. But today I just read that Canada has topped 100,000 cases. So I think caution is the word of the day. Our seniors are, you know, really they remain most at at risk in terms of groups. And we all want to strike a balance between that risk and the need for closeness with our loved ones in care. But I think, Kathy, as you just mentioned, because of what we're reading in Ontario and Quebec, families need that reassurance that their loved ones are getting the best possible care. I know the personal care home staff are very concerned about covid But they're equally as concerned about the social isolation measures in place. So we'll all breathe easier when there's a vaccine and life can be lived without risk. I know that's a long way away, but it's something to look forward to. In the meantime, I think it's very important that families see their loved ones and know they are well, but safety is paramount.
0: Well, and and Jan, you know, for, for those who have loved ones in a nursing home that, you know, suffer from dementia, or Alzheimer's, you know, it is so tough for them to grasp why they are not getting visitors. So uh, this has been a tough time, not just for family members, but for those who are in. Hello?
1: We just lost you you for a split second there, KK. Just your last couple of words uh, didn't make it on air.
0: Oh, okay. I was just saying this has been a tough time. Uh, Jan, not just for family members, but for those who are in care as well, especially if they're suffering with dementia, because they don't understand why they're not getting visits.
6: No, I know it's very, very hard. Social isolation is hard for people without dementia, but with the dementia, it's extremely difficult. I know that, um, you know, virtual technology is being used to supplement visits, but even that's very difficult for the residents with dementia to understand. I was just thinking about that this morning, and in terms of, you know, the next wave of of folks that will need long-term care, would be um, an us, and at least we have some grasp of the technology, but for many residents, it's something that is um, quite beyond their scope
1: It was Loren's birthday yesterday.
0: It was so a much deserved day off.
1: Yes, and she's gonna have four straight days off. I don't know what she's going to do with herself. Maybe hide somewhere and just get some <laughs> rest because I know she hasn't been sleeping well. KK, Kathy Kennedy, one of the legends in radio in no, our city. Come on. No, you oh, please. You know that's no, true.
0: Well, listen, it's like one of those phrases we talked about earlier this morning. When you say legend, I mean, that's just akin to saying old. <laughs>
1: okay, well, I didn't mean it as a euphemism Can for I, old,
3: okay? I just, have to, I, I just have to say something real quick here. The number of uh-huh. times where people have said, you know Kathy Kennedy? And I've said, oh, yeah, is, no joke, several times. So, KK, you are a radio legend in this town. There's no doubt about is that, that.
0: Hang on, several. Is, like, is that like three? Or is that like four? Don't question the number. <laughs> it's just several. Multiple. There
3: you go. Don't anyway, cheapen
1: the compliment. That's, that's all asking I asking for specifics. Thanks, TMJ. <laughs> that's all I wanted to say there. <laughs> See you in about 22 minutes' time. Uh, Tristan Field-Jones with Global News. He's in for vacationing Jeff Braun as we are in full-on vacation mode here at 680 CJOB. Tomorrow is the first day of summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, sa- Sunday I almost said Saturday Sunday is of course Father's Day it also marks uh, phase three the beginning of phase three for the reopening of Manitoba's economy but last weekend we got a stark reminder of the dangers of one of the more popular activities in manitoba in the summertime and that's being out on the water and whether you're in a boat or you're swimming uh, water safety is critical and as we've been telling you since yesterday afternoon manitoba rcmp say they have recovered the body of a man missing since the boat he and others were on capsized on lake winnipeg over the weekend noor ali 42 years old, a prominent member of Winnipeg's Syrian Kurdish community who worked with newcomers hadn't been seen since the boat overturned near Bel Air, Manitoba on Lake Winnipeg Saturday. And that's where we start this hour. Kathy, in a tweet, RCMP said Ellie's body was found Thursday at 2.30 p.m. with help from the Canadian Coast Guard and the Hattarian uh emergency aquatic response team i want to make sure i say that correctly kathy that has us talking about water safety something i'm not sure we can actually discuss enough
0: well indeed and and that's why we thought we would bring in dr christopher love from the life-saving society of manitoba to join us once again and chris you know we can remind people all day long about the importance of uh you know Boating sober, wearing your life jacket, making sure you have all the proper equipment on board, but yet, sadly, people still don't understand or don't get it.
7: Uh, Yes, uh, unfortunately, that does seem to be the case year after year. And certainly, let me say, our our thoughts and condolences are with uh, Neurali's family and friends at this point in time. Uh, But yeah, season after season, um, we've had a relatively consistent Average number of deaths uh, due to drowning in Manitoba for the last more than a decade of about 20 to 22 people per year. And that's certainly something we see as too high. One drowning death is one too many, uh, and 22 is definitely too many. Uh, And so it does come down to, as you kind of mentioned in the intro, making sure that we've done preparation before you go out in terms of equipping yourself, equipping your craft, if you're going out in a boat, if you're going to the beach, making sure you're making uh, water smart choices as we would term it. So the preference always should be if you have the choice, we recommend going somewhere that is supervised so that there are lifeguards, there as a backup to your own safety precautions,
1: Chris. It's so disheartening when you when you imagine that so many of the victims of drownings in our in our community in our province have to do with either Indigenous Canadians or involved newcomers to our country. Why is that?
7: Uh, well, uh, yeah, that certainly is a stat that we do see. Gen- generally speaking, although sometimes it's hard to track, uh, for those two groups especially, um, there does appear to be, I can't definitively link it, but there there is an economic factor in that, uh, insofar as very often we sit back and think that everybody learns how to swim, but uh, the, the little research that has been done is, it's not actually that true, it's if you are affluent enough to be able to afford swimming lessons, then you learn how to swim if that's something that is also a family tradition. Mm. And so if it's not a family tradition and you don't have the financial means, it tends to end up much, much, much lower on the priority list compared to food, housing, clothing, education. Uh, And so uh, there's there's a socioeconomic uh, thing in that. And then the other thing we have to think about is uh, in Manitoba, where you look at people end up living... Our First Nations and Indigenous communities in this province have all been placed on water. Uh, And so there's a lot easier access. I mean, in Winnipeg, we have three rivers here, you know, the Red, the Assiniboine, and the Seine. But depending on where you live in the city, you might not even see the water because of the way we've built things up. But if you go to many of the northern remote First Nations and Indigenous communities, you can't help but see water everywhere and so it is very easy to access and then if you don't have skills because you can't access swim instruction or you can't afford swim instruction uh, that potentially creates a much bigger problem
0: chris real quick because uh, we only have about 30 seconds left it is never too late you are never too old to learn how to swim
7: Uh, That is indeed true. Uh, Personally, I've taught people in their 70s how to swim. uh, And there are, well, or I should say, there normally are adult swim instruction programs that will take you at any age running at facilities across Manitoba. Certainly with COVID, that is, uh, you know, much uh, lower in terms of supply at the moment. But once the uh, pandemic starts to loosen up and facilities open up a bit more, You can look out uh, in terms of getting that instruction, and as you say, it is never too late.
1: Yeah, not to mention PFTs, personal flotation devices. They are mandatory, and uh, we got to use them, Chris. Otherwise, we're going to continue to have conversations like this one about this tragedy. Thank you for what you do, Chris.
7: Well, we appreciate the opportunity to get the education out there.
0: The Manitoba Junior Hockey League is excited to announce its first ever MJHL Roundtable Webinars series, which is set for next Monday, June 22nd, and running until June 24th.
1: Yeah, it would be moderated by well-renowned broadcaster, speaker, and MC, Leah Hextall. The MJHL's goal of the webinar series is to provide the hockey community with valuable information and insight through informative discussion stories and advice involving accomplished athletes, coaches, professionals, and role models. Role models. I get it out, Leah. I was taking a breath there because it's quite the lengthy introduction, but we had to get it all in. Good morning to you, my friend.
8: Good morning, Greg and KK. So nice to be here with you. And when you talk about, the, the I guess, just the broad landscape of all these people and all those introductions, I feel like I'm a little unaccomplished compared to everyone else involved in this.
1: <laughs> Well, oh, please. Come on, girl. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> nobody does their job better uh, than Leah oh, Hextall. Stop. No, it's true. And uh, we just realized that all three of us were raised in Brandon. you two had the good fortune to be born there. But uh, so it's a brand in five minutes or so here. Talk about some of the incredible people because you're right. There are some uh, well-known names and the name is only good if the message involved uh, backs up the uh, the ability to, to share a story and to deliver a message, Leah.
8: Absolutely. And in this, we have Olympians, Stanley Cup champions, current players and coaches, and the names. If you go to mjhlhockey.ca, they're all there. But it's all going to kick off on Monday with Session 1. There's six sessions in total, and it's with our women's hockey panel. You both know I'm very passionate about this, but I'm not nearly as passionate as Cassie campbell pascal hometown girl Bridget Laquette, and RBC Olympia Marie-Selie Poulin, really the best player playing the game right now. Uh, Day two, we're going to go into a mental health conversation, which really goes past the scope of hockey, and anyone will enjoy this. And we have Corey Hirsch and... Theo Fleury joining us, and their struggles with mental health have been very well documented. I've had a chance to talk with both of them over the last couple of days, and I think this conversation might be the best one of the entire group because it's so important and relevant with what we're going through right now uh, with the pandemic, Black Lives Matter, what, you know, everything that's going on in our world in 2020. And then from there, we got names like, how about Barry Trotz, Stanley Cup or Ryan Pulock from the New York Islanders? They're going to be in the same session together, guys. I've never interviewed a coach and current roster player together. So that's the first for me. We're going to have a social media discussion and then uh, also some physical literacy. But then we got Winnipeg Jets head coach Paul Maurice joining Toronto Maple Leafs coach Sheldon Keith. And how do we get Sheldon? Well, you know what? He started his coaching career as owner, general manager, and coach. Uh, the Pembroke Lumber Kings in junior hockey. And they're two of the best communicators and orators in the game. And we're going to have a conversation about the new age player and how you coach them. So this really has something for everyone. And I know that was fairly long-winded, guys, but it's just such a star-studded lineup. It's hard just to say one name.
0: <laughs> well, and, and Leah, the, one of the other things I like about this series is that there's a chance for people to donate uh, with proceeds going towards COVID-19 support for the MJHL.
8: Yes, the first thing is is that the commissioner, Kevin Surak, he really wanted to make this accessible for everyone. So these sessions are free. You have to register for each of them individually. You can go to mjhlhockey.ca to do that. But the fact is there is a button there to donate. Whether it's $1 or $10, all the proceeds are going to go into COVID-19 relief for the MJHL and its 11 teams. I think we all know that no one has not been hit from this pandemic, but we're going to see this really affect our grassroots junior level hockey. And so the MJHL is doing this in support of that. So I hope everyone can make sure they donate a little bit because the names that they've managed to pull together here and the conversations we're going to have are world-class and very elite. And if you sign up, the Jets just threw us over a Heritage Classic, Connor. A Kyle Connor jersey yesterday. So if anybody's interested, oh. if you register, you get a chance to win that. And I have a Heritage Classic jersey, and they're gorgeous. I'm sure everybody's seen them. So there's a little bonus as well.
1: Well, uh, the, do you prefer the blue or the white Heritage classic. Lou,
8: that's not even a question. Lou, yeah. I Come mean, on, the white Dre, ones be are,
1: yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> just wanted to make sure you are all right.
8: All you're, you're going to do is spill beer on the white ones, okay? I can't be wearing white <laughs> anywhere. So that's that.
1: That's fair enough. Hey, uh, Leah, before we let you go here, we've got just over a minute here. The culture of hockey has been under the microscope a fair amount over the last several months, the last year or so. Uh, do you think that, um, Seminars like this one are an opportunity to, to rebuild the the culture within the hockey community in, in the areas where, where it needs refining?
8: I really think so. And, you know, as I've been preparing for this, a lot of the questions we talk about is the way in which coaches and parents represent themselves amongst players in order to make sure that we're teaching our kids the right responsible attitudes going forward, whether that comes to language, uh, how you speak to people. You know, we really need to look at, hockey world like the rest of the world needs to look at themselves and make sure that we're presenting the right message and we also want to give players a louder voice we've seen it over the last few weeks players coming out and and having that voice and in hockey that hasn't been a part of the culture you keep quiet you don't provide distractions and i think we are about to see that shift and i have to tell you i'm looking forward to it
1: well it's a star-studded panel a star-studded host how can people get involved real quickly uh Yeah.
8: mjhlhockey.ca go to the website register for the sessions and we'll see you there starting monday
1: hey we'll be thinking about you on father's day i know it's a tough day for you now we'll be thinking about you leah
8: i appreciate that greg and kk you have a great weekend and thanks for having me
1: mackling and kennedy loren mcnab brett mcgarry on holidays filling big shoes kk Doing a great job.
0: Very big shoes. Hey, can I just quickly ask, would this not be the time the X would be on?
1: One of our no, listeners. Yeah, that? one of our listeners pointed that out. Either yesterday or today would have been the first time. Or the first so, day of
0: the X, yes. So hence the rain.
1: Oh, look at you. We played that same game. We played that same game with the May long weekend because it was as early as it could be this year because of the way the calendar fell. Instead of like the 20th, 21st, 22nd long weekend, we had it earlier. And I said, just watch, next weekend will be terrible weather because we had a beautiful May long weekend on the weekend that should have been quote unquote May long weekend. Uh We had rain and thunderstorms. So there you go. You and I think uh, far too much alike at times. Indeed we do. 9.07 on this Friday morning. And KK, the other thing that uh, you and I agree on, we battle on this one a little bit about which road Winnipeg's going to eventually take here. But Winnipeg has so many underappreciated assets. I think of the hidden neighborhoods, how close we are to lake and cottage country, our cultural institutions, and of course our incredible history. And one of my favorite ways we celebrate Winnipeg history is with beautiful murals there are a bunch in the West End that I just love uh, really quick. The one at Beverly and Portage, which depicts the history of Polo Park and Assiniboine Downs. They sort of transitioned from old Polo Park to Assiniboine Downs over the years. It's incredible. One on Ellis Avenue, which celebrates actor Adam Beach. Uh, But my favorite has to be the one of Zeke. Zeke is a man we all knew in the West End for riding around on his bicycle, and he collected different things. Uh, And so he had a white beard, sort of looked like Santa Claus, and he's been immortalized in a mural. So they've really become part of the landscape, the history, and the culture of our city.
0: And, you know, uh, what I love is that we are taking time to celebrate some of those murals. So have you ever actually spent some time driving around the city. I mean, I think so many of us drive past and don't really look and appreciate some of the art that is on our buildings. Well, a local committee certainly has. And after all the votes from the 31 independent judges were tallied, they decided on which mural would be 2019's Mural of the Year. Joining us to tell us all about it and the process behind choosing a winner is Bob Buchanan from the Murals of Winnipeg website. Good morning, Bob. Hi, I'm here. I'm glad to be here with
9: you, Kathy.
0: Well, I'm glad that you were joining us on this Friday morning. And uh, Bob, I know that you and I have discussed this uh, a few times over the years, but for those who don't know, tell us, how long has this... committee been together, and how and why is it that you decided to support, appreciate, and recognize the murals we have in this city?
9: Okay. Well, I moved here uh, in 2001 to be with my childhood sweetheart, and we we got married, and uh, it wasn't our first marriage for either of us, but uh, we we... But through miracles, we just got together. And I noticed the murals right away, and we wanted to do something about the murals. And when I would inquire, there didn't seem to be any uh, place I could go where the murals were and everything like that. So we took it on as a hobby, and it just blew up and grew and grew and grew, and it was amazing and the, and we wanted to wa- launch the website with certain things and one of the things was a mural of the year and this was 2002 and we had to over we picked one we just held our breath and picked one there were 62 mm-hmm. walls that year and we we had to overlook that a downs one you know like because <laughs> we because we picked the welcome to, that you mentioned we could, we picked the welcome to downtown mural and nobody nobody uh raised the uh, you know, everyone accepted our choice, but we, we, we were a little scared. and We knew that we never wanted to do that again, though. You know, who are we to be picking the ones? So we put together – We anytime anyone emailed, hey, love the site, well, I would ask them to become a judge. <laughs> because what, we <laughs> didn't want a random sample. We wanted people who liked murals. So it grew over time, and each year we – Go you know, send them out in May, you know, because you got to wait till the snow's gone, and provide them with the list of all the murals that were done the previous year. If you, if the mural, like in 2019, for instance, if the mural was done, it's automatically considered. And so I compile lists and I send out a spreadsheet with the judges so they can go through with them quickly online to d- develop themselves a short list. I think that's the way most judges do it. No criterion, whatever they decided, because that's the great thing about art. We can all have our own. Uh, and this one, Volcarama, Wow, you know, the voting wasn't really close at all this year. Like, and I, I, I had two pages of judges' comments that I, that we sprinkled throughout the thing. Two full pages of comments, and you could tell just that how much this mural resonated with so many different people. You know, like one of our judges it turned out was. The, the queen of uh, the, the French when they back when they had a queen for the France pavilion, you know, like and 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 uh, uh, just various things where you could tell that folklorama really resonated with them.
1: Bob, for those that don't know where that mural lives, wh- where do we find it? Oh, it's go- westbound on uh, on
9: Notre Dame Avenue, eight forty-seven Notre Dame. It's just before Arlington, and it's a good mural for a drive-by. But it's even better if you stop and go in the parking lot because there's copious detail. Like uh, the, the artist Mandy Van Leeuwen, and uh, she's the senior artist. I imagine she was the one primarily involved in the design. That work, the intricate work uh, with the letters, F-O-L-K-L-O-R-A-M-A, and all the beautiful stuff that's put in there, it's so good. That I'm really hoping that folklorama uses it in all the promotional material because it's so well done. You know, uh, there's got to be thirty, forty mural elements just just throughout the mural of where they've picked and chosen from various like Israeli dance attire, uh, Irish dance attire, like a, the the act, this, the First Nations, which I which I'm really pleases me because Indigenous first, right? <laughs> so that was.
0: Well, and and Mandy has been uh, celebrated before. She is quite the artist, right, Bob?
9: Yeah, yeah. I met her in two thousand and two when we were going around looking for murals, and she was at the she was at the site of the Welcome to Downtown mural on Higgins in Maine. And at one time, that was a glorious mural before all the trees went up and the the building was modified, and and all of the, the interesting detail on the on the uh, East side the left side of the mural got covered uh, but um, you can see what the the mural originally looked at uh, on the website so
1: well, it's just incredible the stories that are celebrated in these murals. I mentioned the one about Ziki uh, in the West End and, and Adam Beach, but yeah. do you remember it was about 11 months ago that that incredible, if not spectacular mural that honors uh, Winnipegger Gar the founder yeah. of Garner, Garnet Amplifiers. Yeah. That, that dis- Mandy, Mandy and Jennifer. There Mandy you go, and that is. disappeared essentially overnight uh, yeah. and to all a lot of people's dismay. And so these murals have really become a part of the community, never mind the stories they tell.
9: I heard a rumor that we might be losing that Zuki mural that you talked about. Oh. Uh, um, apparently, I heard the rumor last year, and it has to do with the orange paint has lead in it. I've heard, I've been told that it has lead in it. Oh, boy. And and it's, it's chewing the brick. Away, the bricks away oh, shoot. so if, if that rumor is true there's no way they can save the mural they would have to blast mm. the paint off and that that wasn't the prep work that's that I, I guess that was always there that orange colored paint you know because the artist just painted all over the the that orange base but that's a bad thing because it's a it's a great building and they want to they obviously want to preserve it
0: well, and and one of my other favorite murals, uh, I would have to say, is uh, the mural that's on the side of the the Marshalls Music Building. That beautiful guitar that uh, they have on the side of the building. Uh, bob, if people want more information about murals of Winnipeg, or perhaps maybe they want to become a judge, how do they do that? Uh, email me,
9: uh, uh, Bob Buchanan at the uh, bob Duck Buchanan at the murals of Winnipeg dot com. And visit the website, the Murals of Winnipeg. If you go to the mural of the year section, Mandy provided a really good uh, commentary for this wall. You just scroll down for below. There's actually write-ups on over half of the 650 murals that are on that are on the website. But, oh, I say slightly over half, but a good walkthrough of the elements, like what can, what's in the F, what's in the O, what's in the L. And other uh, mural elements in the, in the Chinese dragon, the Pokorama 50 passport, and the Pokorama llama, and the Portuguese rooster, and hmm. various, various things. It's, it's uh, a treasure trove of information.
1: Bob Buchanan, thank you so much. Give us the website one more time
9: www.themuralsofwinnipeg.all all one word, themuralsofwinnipeg.com.
1: Thanks for your efforts in compiling this part of our history. It's history of history, and I, I love that aspect of it. Thanks again, Bob. Okay, thank you. Tristan had to do the sports for Kelly, did his own news, but in actuality, he's been doing news for Jeff Braun all week. Mm-hmm. You're filling in, Kathy, for Loren and Brett. And uh, Brett's back Monday, and I'm sure somebody else is going on holidays next oh, week. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yes. Uh, Jeff
0: Courier is off for two weeks, so I'll start filling his chair as of Monday.
1: Well, there you go. You only have to pair w- wear one pair of shoes that way. <laughs> yeah, well, they're pretty big, too, though. <laughs> they are. They're, they're very large, as I understand it. <laughs> Thank you, Tristan. See you at 10
3: o'clock. Thanks for everything this week, by the way. You, bu- you betcha, Greg. And I guess next week you're back home,
1: eh? Yeah, that's going to be weird. Back in the back in the dungeon the uh, home studio, the home studio. Now right. it's not a dungeon. I don't want to paint it that way. It's actually quite a pleasurable spot. I get to work with uh, surrounded by my sports memorabilia. It's kind of my dream come true to, come, <laughs> to be <perfectly laughs> honest with everyone. Thanks Tristan. Uh, Tristan's back at 10. Like I said, Jeff career will join us in a few moments. We'll set up his program 10 to one. So we get KK for the next two weeks in Jeff Career's spot from 10 to one. Hal Anderson afternoons, one till four. Richard and Julie with the news from 4 till 7. And then it's Bob Irving in the first hour of the CJOB Sports Show along with Christian O'Mell goes through until 9 o'clock. I had something to share with you here and now I've lost it. But I do have to tell you about question of the day at cjob.com. I should have done that a lot earlier this morning, by the way. <laughs> Question of the day is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. And uh, the leftover... Question has to do with churches petitioning the province to lift restrictions on services. Should religious organizations be able to set their own restrictions for gatherings with regard to COVID-19? It's an overwhelming result to this point, KK. Nearly 74% wow. of our respondents say, no, that's uh, that's still up to the province. So uh, get your vote in if you'd like to change that result at CGOB.com. Uh, you don't have the, uh, <laughs> the the joy and pleasure of <laughs> Children. I do not. I have a cat <laughs> huh? who can sometimes be quite childlike,
0: but no, I don't have twin boys like yourself.
1: You want to trade? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just like maybe for a weekend only.
1: Okay, weekend only. (laughs) My boys have been home for three months now, like most kids. And Jackie was working from home, so we had a pretty full house. Summer is here; the time is right. You can fill in the rest, and uh, it's time for camps. Right? We got to get we got to get these kids out of the house just a tiny bit.
0: Yeah. So, what do you do when a lot of those camps? Have been canceled. Well, there are still some options out there. Uh, Fort White Alive. Carolyn Townen is uh, communications and brand manager at Fort White. And uh, Carolyn, I'm supposed to ask you on behalf of my good friend Greg Macklin, mm-hmm. uh, Can you can you mm-hmm. take his kids, P- please? <laughs>
10: You know what? We would love to, but we've had oh no, but Actually, all of our summer camps are fully sold out at this point. Oh, why
1: is there always a but? (laughs) Well, you know what? It's never too early to plan ahead and to think about next year. Mm -hmm. You have an incredible facility. My kids have been there multiple times with school. They absolutely love it. You keep growing it, and I know you're building a new, or at least you're remodeling your interpretive center. Tell us about Mm -hmm. the exciting things going on at Fort White and, uh, tell us about the, the camps that you're conducting this summer, so people can think about next year.
10: Yeah, we run them every summer. We have summer camp, we have spring camp. There's winter camp, so there's lots of opportunity to come and get your kids out of the house and spend some time at Fort White. Um, all of our camps we range from you know as young as kids entering pre pre K to kids going into grade eight, um, and they fully explore different nature themes through hikes, crafts, games. A lot of the older camps focus more on outdoor recreation skills like mountain biking, canoeing, kayaking, some wilderness survival skills. Um, but yeah, they, they mostly center around sort of helping kids to create that foundation with spending time in nature. Um, and we know that spending time in nature promotes, you know, critical thinking. It's good for mental health. You're reducing that screen time. So, Letting nature, you know, kind of guide and be the teacher at nature day camp is, um, is a huge factor.
0: It, it is a huge factor. Carolyn, is this year different than years gone by? I mean, it seems that the camps filled up pretty quickly this year. Is that the case each and every year? Yeah, we we do definitely
10: sell out most years. I mean, this year was different. We did reduce our, our camp size, so uh, groups are reducing down to 16 campers, just so we can make sure to kind of create enough space. I mean, most of the camp happens outside. That's the huge part of camp is rain or shine, we're outside, but you know, in terms of um, inclement weather, we do have indoor space and we need to make sure that we have enough space that, you know, kids can space out. There's room to kind of move around, but still do that safely. So the reduced size definitely did um, expedite the sellout process of campus here for sure.
1: So you have some of the uh, best interpreters around. Barrett Miller is uh, one of our favorite <laughs> guests here. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you are in camp, do you get to interact with Barrett at all, Carolyn?
10: Um, Barrett's not one of our camp instructors, but outside of camp, we're, we are running a bunch of family-friendly friend, programming, a lot of which is run by Barrett Miller, friend of the show. <laughs> so, um, you know, you can come out, we have, um, guided interpretive walks led by a bunch of our nature interpretive staff, um, that kind of show, you know, anything from like the environment, different habitats that you can see at Fort White, Fort White um, different wildlife that call Fort White home. Um, to the history of of both the area of Fort White, but also of Manitoba, and how we've um, transitioned to kind of reclaim that space, um, and 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 into what it is today.
1: Well, it's a marvelous I, place to go, Carolyn. It is. Sorry, KK, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. We're going to no. let, let Carolyn run here. Give us the website one more time.
10: Yeah, you can uh, check out our website at FortWhite dot
1: very good. Thank you so much, Carolyn Townend. Is, she is the communications and brand manager at Fort White Alive. And KK, I couldn't help but be thinking about times that I spent when you talk about getting outside and that change of pace for your kids, heading to the Brandon Hills. There was nothing like oh. a hike in the Brandon Hills.
0: You know what? And and my dad and I used to, uh, in the wintertime, go and cross-country ski in the Brandon Hills. Uh, those were some joyous,
1: happy days. Yeah, for those that don't know, just south of Brandon, uh, Brandon lies in an absolutely gorgeous valley, River, a Cinnaboyne River created valley, so there's the North Hill, and that's that's taken up by uh, Wheelie's Roller Rink, and no, I don't think Wheelie's is there anymore, but you live on the north side, and if you take the Trans-Canada Highway, you're essentially on the North Hill, but on the south side, it's been mostly preserved, and you go into the Brandon Hills, and oh, it's just a magnificent place, and I hate to say it, but it's another one of the hallmarks of of having an outstanding a- a- attraction in Manitoba, is that you don't feel like you're in Manitoba when you're there.
0: Yes. Uh, and, and, and don't forget about the swinging bridge in Surres, cause that's on your way out to the Brandon Hills. Oh, uh, that's a good and that call. bridge has been, that bridge has been replaced
1: so you can go swinging once again. Which way are you going to the Brandon Hills? You're going through Suros? Tell me this. No, walk, no. Walk me through this. I,
0: hang on. You take the same road as, as if you're going to the Brandon Hills. Yeah. And then you take a right to Cirrus, but I'm just saying it's the same road as... Okay. As going
1: to, okay. Yeah. Okay. I was... Because let me tell you, my memory uh, bank, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm really losing it because that's not the way I remember. Going. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to take a right. You got to take a right. <laughs> I'm challenged at a lot of stuff. Uh, geography typically isn't one of them. I'm usually pretty good on that. And you know, another place that uh, we used to go every once in a while, besides the fishing, my dad used to love to take us fishing. I know you love that. I'm not such a fan. I just... Not even put a hook on, just uh, sort of <laughs> cast my cast my line. But did you ever go swimming in the Assiniboine River? Just sort of north and At west. Curran Park. Oh, like even further west and north of Curran Park. Curran Park. That was our summer <laughs> camp. Here's your bike. Get on the bike and get your backside to Curran Park. That was summer camp for us yes! and Brandon. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. With that big pool and the river. Oh,
1: do, do you remember yeah, the ferry, the days, or, Greg? The ferry across the Assiniboine. Yes! River. Of course, yeah of course we are uh you know we're, we're we're thinking back to our days in brandon sorry for those of you that have never been to brandon or know what we're talking <laughs> about thanks for indulging <laughs> us
7: hey thanks for listening to the start podcast we are available on apple podcast google podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts subscribe now and never miss an episode and if you like what you hear rate the show tell us what you think